You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's start chronologically. When did Logan and John come to you and say, hey, we have this idea. Would you like to lead our company? <laughs> well, I, it was, first of all, I characterize it as a crazy idea, but we'll come back. Why to is it crazy? Because it's outside of your, your CV, what you've done in the past. In a sense, but in another sense, it isn't. You know, I was at Amazon focused on the customer. I was at Microsoft focused on competing. I built a nonprofit that gets 20 million kids reading with very limited resources. So Clients do quite a lot with very little. That's the idea. Yeah. But they, they approached the board actually at the end of last year saying it was time for them to think about the next thing. With your name or just generally speaking at the end of last year? That's right. That's right. And then the board created a search committee as they do. They hired a search firm as they do. They saw hundreds of people, dozens of strong candidates in the end. Right. They came to me and said, maybe maybe you're the guy. Okay. So when they came to you, what was it that they wanted you to do? What was their kind of big pitch around why Lyft would be better under your leadership? You know, I think they are really proud of what they've created and for good reason. I mean, the rideshare sector exists in large part because of Lyft. They're the ones that introduced the whole concept of shared rides. They're the ones that introduced tipping for drivers and so forth. But I think they realized at a certain point it was time to pass the baton to somebody else. Right. They looked at my background and said, I think you're the guy. Do you go into this sort of acknowledging that Lyft is kind of a kind of increasingly distant, smaller second player in rideshare now? Well, I don't love the word increasingly, but I certainly do think it's number two. Well, and you I hope to reverse that. Probably. I do. <laughs> That's the idea. So what it comes down to, and, and a lot of the, the, the analysts and investors talk about, is diversification. Yeah. What is your plan for Lyft at this early stage? Is, does it remain a rideshare business, or do you JV with delivery, other delivery platforms? Do you expand the business offering? Yep. Where's your head at with that? Yeah. So I'll tell you where my head is. I guess I reserve the right to change my mind, of course, because I, Fine. you know, but look, I think our focus is rideshare and I'll tell you why. The United States is going through a crisis where we've all been locked inside our houses, where we've all been locked outside of work. And now we're coming back. And I think if you look at happy, well-lived lives, bringing people together is a really, really good idea. And I'll tell you what, if you try to also deliver pizzas and packages at the same time, it might be a good business model. We'll see. But I don't know that it's a great uh, experience for, for passengers. But you're not ruling it out. I have to ask. Which? Expanding beyond just pure play rideshare. Not ruling it out, but really the focus is going to be on picking you up on time, matching price, making sure you get dropped off on time. That's the focus. I think what's so interesting about Lyft is people use Lyft. Strange thing to say, but I went to our audience and I said, look, the new CEO of Lyft's coming on the show. What should I ask him? And mm. actually... The majority of people say, when is Lyft going to get outside of North America? Mm. There are people in Europe that want to know when Lyft's coming. Mm. 
Um, maybe the idea is that competition brings better pricing, but have you thought about that and in international expansion? I mean, look, I, I love your second point. I do think that's right. I think competition is good for everybody. And that's a generic statement, but in this case specifically, I think you're better off if you've got one service and maybe, maybe they disappoint you a little time you go to the other. We keep each other honest. Whether or not we'll go to Europe, that's for the future. There is a big question in the marketplace right now. Is Lyft for sale? No. Not for sale? No. Do you see why people might, might think you coming in opens the door to that, you know, being acquired by a larger player that does something different? Or does it not make sense to you? I mean, look, you know, there's people can make these sorts of arguments about how aggregation is good. But my argument right now is on focus on really making sure that for our customers and for our drivers, we're doing a great job. You talk about when you're at Amazon learning to obsess over customers. And I've been trying to work out how you obsess over people that take ride sharing. But I guess it comes down to pricing. Mm, I think it starts, well, no, let me say it a different way. I think if you're not price competitive, you're not in the game. So let's just call it that. If you're not price competitive, you're not in the game. Is Lyft price competitive? That's our goal, for sure. Whether we're there or not, that's to be determined, but for sure that's our goal. But I think then you build on top of that. And I really do think you can build over time differentiated products and services. I I won't go there today, but I think that's where you'll see us go. The phrasing that people use is pricing war. Mm. And we're trying to monitor real-time pricing, right? Lyft versus Uber in Manhattan or in New York City or here in the Bay Area. Mm. Are we already in a pricing war? Well, you tell me, what have you found? Well, there are, there are anecdotal evidence, you know, where one ride in Manhattan may be $10 cheaper on Lyft one moment, but more expensive the next. Mm. Um, what yeah. is your goal in that respect is the bigger question. Our goal is to match. Our goal is to match. And look, if you get in a lift and you have a problem with the lift that the price is too high or you don't get in because the price is too high, my email address is david at lift.com. Send me a note. We want to know. You're really going to plug your email. Do you know how many you might get? It's all right. We'll figure it out. You haven't had that much time to look under the hood, so to speak. Mm. But let's go back to some sort of financial basics. Mm-hmm. The concern is that a recession comes in the second half of this year. You've just pledged to match pricing Mm. with Uber. Mm. How does cash burn look there for? Well, look, uh, I don't know that what I said was a pledge, to be clear. What I said is that's our goal. Now, how does cash burn look? It's two under the covers for me to go into right now. What I can say is to be a strong number two, you have to be competitive. It's just that simple. And so that's the business model. So we have to figure out how to do that. Have you seen evidence already that Lyft's pulling in ridership? Uh, I don't want to talk about it because it'll give people, it'll, it'll make people connect dots in a funny way, but it's something I'm very focused on. Looking under the hood, what is good at Lyft? What are the uh, niches yeah. where Lyft is more competitive? Which cities do you feel you're stronger in yeah. than your direct competitor Uber? Let me ask you, answer it in two ways. On the city question, I probably can't go there. I will say there are certain cities where we have strength and largely correlates to where have we been operating the longest. Okay. I'll give you an example. Portland. Oregon is a city where we have relative strength compared to other cities. We've been there a long time. The second thing, though, which I think is a real asset and is underappreciated, is millions and millions of people, a third of the U.S. population has taken a lift since its beginning. Millions of drivers have made billions of dollars on lift. So this is not a small thing. This is quite a complicated thing. And building on, on that architecture is actually really, I think it gives us all sorts of opportunities. When Logan and John came to you, did they kind of give you any insight in what kind of rides are more profitable or better? You know, you talked about the shared ride experience, pooled ride for want of another expression. Are those more profitable? Is that the future? I'm trying to work out how 
you put your stamp on Lyft yeah. and make it more competitive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love the question. Of course, I got a thousand ideas. Have you even sat in the chair officially yet? So a little too early. But I can say, yes, there are segments where I think uh, there is some extra margin to be made. And we could, but you have to deliver a great service there. I want to be very clear. You can't just say, I want to create margin. I want to raise prices or whatever without also having a great, great service and maybe even a service that's better for that segment. But, you know, stay tuned. There's a cultural discussion around Lyft as well. The brand, mm. the market or demographic that it resonates with. Mm. There's this idea that broadly a younger audience mm. might use Lyft over Uber. Mm. Do you lean into that or do you actually try and look a bit more broad mm. to, to grow the company? Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I, I've heard that too. I've looked at the data. I would say Lyft's customers and Uber's customers are not as different as maybe you know some people think. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say that's going to be a real area of focus. I'm more interested in if people want a great rideshare experience and don't necessarily want to get in a car that's just dropped off a pizza, then I want, I want you as a customer for sure. Let's finally talk about supply. This was actually a really interesting story during the pandemic because of how gig economy workers behaved and demand. But what does supply look like to you? And, and it's a similar question. Mm-hmm. How do you get drivers to come and drive for Lyft? Mm not for Uber, where, for example, they have a choice to not just drive people, but also do deliveries as well? Yeah. Well, look, they do have a choice on deliveries. I'll say that the drivers I've talked to, not always huge fans of that choice. Double parking, restaurant, get a ticket, have to get out of the car a bunch of times. Maybe not a great experience. Don't make as much money. So that's the value proposition for the driver on the Uber side. Look, uh, the best way to get drivers is to get passengers. If you've got a lot of passengers, the drivers will come. Lyft cut around 700 workers last year and cut costs. Many did. Actually, that level isn't as severe as other companies. You, you lean into your background working and leading and a not-for-profit, mm-hmm. running with fewer resources to do more. Yeah. Can you just talk me through how you take that mindset into a company like Lyft? Um, it, yeah. Will more layoffs come, more belt tightening, or have you seen evidence that this is a company in good health? Yeah. The way I'd say that is I do think you can get a lot done with limited resources. That's what I've learned over the last 13 years. But I'm not going to speculate about Lyft specifically there. Give me in just one sentence your vision for Lyft under your leadership. Uh, our, so uh, I'll say this. Purpose driven together. We're going to lead with purpose because we want people to come out of their house and get out and have it, go to the movie and so forth. We're going to be driven. It's kind of who I am, and I think it's a strong cultural thing. And we're going to do it together. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.